0: So ladies and gentlemen, I am still here in Billings, Montana, and I am lucky enough to be in the office of Mark Smith. We are at St. Vincent de Paul. And Mark, you know, I've spoken with multiple people here, interviewed two of them, including the director, and both of them brought you up when it comes to the running of this organization. So can you tell everybody what your passion is and what you do here at St. Vincent?
1: My passion is to assist those that are in need, the people that are in need. Uh, A large number of our people are Native Americans. And I feel that in general society, a lot of times Native Americans are overlooked. Um, They don't have the opportunities on the reservation. And uh, so... I have a deep passion for Native Americans and to reach out to those that are kind of overlooked in society.
0: Where did this passion start for you?
1: When I started at St. Vincent de Paul, I was like everyone else. I stereotyped. But when you get to know these people and their stories, you know, a lot of Native Americans have fetal alcohol syndrome. A lot of them are alcoholics or drug addicts. And we do have a program here that reach out to those that are seeking help and trying to get off the alcohol and get a normal life.
0: And just so my audience knows, you are known as the guy who knows every person pretty much who comes in here. You know them by name. I do. You are here when they come in first thing in the morning.
1: And I'm the one that tells them good night at night, yes.
0: How does that feel for
1: you? You know, they respect me. Um, some of them call me dad, some of them call me uncle, you know, which is highly an honor through the net Native American culture. Uh, in the wintertime, uh, a lot of them are homeless. So I'll come in at five o'clock in the morning and I'll go sight, and they're usually laying along the sidewalk and wake them up to get them in out of the cold and get them some hot coffee and something to eat.
0: You know, I think that you and I have some similarities with this empathy and compassion. And my biggest question to you specifically would be, how do you go home at night knowing that they're going to be sleeping on the sidewalk? Because I think for somebody like you, that might be one of your greatest challenges here.
1: It is. It is. And I try to make sure they, if I have them and they're donated... Make sure that when they leave in the afternoons they have a blanket or a sleeping bag make sure they have coats and socks and gloves and hats you know and a lot of them know places where they little places where they can sleep to get in out of the cold little doorways or
0: would you say that's your biggest challenge here or do you have another one that that you also struggle with
1: I'm, yes, I have another one and it's It's really becoming prevalent here, and it's single dads that have full custody of their children. There is all kinds of help out there for a single mother, but there's not the help out there for a single father that has custody of their children. And there is a lot of that here. Um, We have the men's mission. The men can stay there, but their children can't. We have the family mission. The children can stay there, but the cat, dad can't. So we have that area right there that a single dad that is homeless with his children have nowhere to go.
0: So what do you do for that?
1: Sometimes we don't pay for hotel rooms and motel rooms, but there are times there are exceptions and that would be an exception as a dad that is homeless with his children can't be outside
0: you know no
1: but that's someone that falls through the cracks that people don't think about and it's really getting prevalent that the dad is getting custody of the children
0: what is one of your favorite memories from working here
1: I had a single, or a father come into my office one day, and he had a little four-year-old boy with him. And I can't remember what he wanted, but he just seemed to be really depressed. And I said, do you need to talk to me? And he started crying. So I shut my office door, and he sa- I said, what's going on? And he said, my wife died suddenly, and with the funeral bills and stuff, I think I'm gonna be evicted. So I called his landlord and I told him, the landlord, I said, Saint Vincent Paul can pay half the rent. I can come up with the money for half the rent. I said, Would that keep him in his house? And the landlord said, If Saint Vincent Paul's willing to do that, I'm willing to waive the rest of the month's rent with what that man's gone through. So that was just a shocker to me. I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. I thought, because not all landlords are that compassion. That you know, and that's one thing that I.
0: You remember, and and all it took was a phone call, and all it took it, was somebody asking. All it took was for him to step into your office first. Yes. And then you to make one phone call.
1: Yes. You know. And yeah, and we have an educational program here, and um. We will sponsor people to go to the community education center to become a CNA and an accountant, uh, medical aid. There's a list of certificate classes. And just the other day, I've been working with this young mother for two years, and she just brought in her certificate where she has graduated from accounting three. So now. She, Here's a single woman that was homeless two years ago. Is now educated to where she can...
0: Beautiful story. (laughs) And you're helping people. You're not just feeding them. You're helping them start their lives. Exactly. Right, And, and support themselves. Yeah. Okay. What do you think you've learned about yourself in this process working here?
1: I have learned to appreciate what I have more. And to be honest with you, before I worked here, I'll give you a quick Reader's Digest version of this. And it may have helped me look at life in a different perspective. I had lost my job. I was in a car accident. And I had to go to Colorado to take care of my sister who was dying of pancreatic cancer, all within two weeks. And she passed away one week after they diagnosed her, so and I come back and I was unemployed for one year. I tried and I couldn't find a job. I couldn't find a job. And I was making my house payment, just doing odds and ends. And I applied for this job. And I got it. And I think that year of what I went through, I can see someone walk in my office and go, Well, been there. <laughs> You know,
0: Do you think, and I know this is a very big question, but do you think that everything you experience, you and, and the people here, is a lesson?
1: Oh, certainly. I think it was a lesson to me. And I think that, to me, I believe in a plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it was the plan.
0: But it's hard when you look at all the hardship. You're surrounded by hardship all the time. And yes. it's hard to look at it and say, this is the
1: plan. Yeah. And, but I think I got a little taste of what I was going to have to help these people with. Yes. You know what I mean?
0: And I'm sure, like you just said, you see people struggling, whether it's addiction or, or homelessness, and you see them pulling themselves up out of that.
1: Yes. And see, when you... I, say, I write an article every month for our newsletter. And, you know, one time it was totally on stereotyping. When you see someone walk down the street, do you shun them because of what they look like? And I say a stranger is only a friend you have not yet met. Mm -hmm. And people need to reach, look at these people and they're more than just a drunk, okay? There's a human being in there that's probably reaching out.
0: You know, there's so many people that want to get involved in different ways, you know, and want to change their lives, want to pull themselves up from despair in all different ways. And my point of this show is to get people to live lives that are more exciting or more meaningful. And. To act, I always say you need to envision yourself in the role first. See it for yourself. What does it feel like? You know, like live that role in your mind first. Then explore what it would take, and then execute a plan. So, what kind of advice do you have on that front?
1: Well, what I've done in my a couple newsletters ago, I ask for sponsors. I ask for people who were t- retired or uh, wanted to do, donate time. To come into St. Vincent Paul and sponsor someone, I said whether it be a attorney, there are people that need legal advice. If they could just sponsor someone here at St. Vincent Paul that's on the streets, uh, maybe someone, um, a single woman who is expecting a child, to have someone, not to sponsor m- monetarily,
0: like to mentor them and
1: mentor them, be their support. Guide them yeah
0: connect with them in something that they can relate
1: to so I know they don't feel so alone exactly i have someone that needs an attorney because she has been in trouble a lot and she's trying to get visitations with her children cuz she's gotten off the drugs and but she just needs that attorney she can't afford that attorney she needs maybe an attorney to come in and mentor her and say this is what we can do you know um a retired nurse could come in and mentor a, a pregnant single woman that's, you know.
0: Yes, so people can take their skills and just work with one person yeah. on a part-time, once a week for an hour. Yeah,
1: and I, and I did say I don't want to assist them monetarily but emotionally and give them that support that people out there, there are people out there that care.
0: Mark, I'm so glad that there's people in here who care. I've met three amazing people today, yes. you being one of them, and I know that when everybody else here talks about the people who come in and everything working, it's it's you that holds all of that together. So there thank is, you for doing that.
1: Yeah, there is one thing. I mean, when I can help someone either with their rent or with a utility bill or with clothing to go find a job. And they want a hug. They want to give me a hug. That means the world to me. I, I always say I'm always good for a hug. Because mm-hmm. they'll say, can I hug you? And I say, I'm good for, always good for a hug.
0: I think you're getting back <laughs> more from them than they than you could ever give to them.
1: Exactly. And I, I'll i be honest, there are times I have to say, hold that thought and leave my office because I'm going to have tears in my eyes and I come back and say, okay, let's do this. You know.
0: What final thoughts do you have for my audience today?
1: Do not stereotype people. Reach out to those in need. This would be me. Thank you so much. You bet.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 States in 90 Days Lady. A concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan, or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful, you can find me at MotivateMePodcast.com. In the world
1: keeps turning, I just keep-